Governor Henry McMaster delivers his State of the State address just weeks after his inauguration. Senator Saab delivers the Democratic response. We'll break both of those speeches down. <gasps> Don't fall asleep. The, yeah, stay awake over there, Dave. Sorry. The South it was Carolina, a late night. The South Carolina Senate pushes for diversity hires, and there's a new Human Life Protection Act inside the South Carolina House. All of that today on the podcast. Welcome into the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina. Justin Hall, Mitch Prosser, Dave Wilson here with you. Busy show today, it would appear. Uh, we will have... Uh, we'll be more lively than it probably was last night. That There's been... A Tuesday in the House is more lively than what we saw last night. Um, we'll have Attorney General Alan Wilson on with us for our Saturday special edition of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. So make sure you tune in for that on Saturday while you're doing whatever you do on a Saturday, but we get to the governor's state of the state address. What is the state of the state, Justin? The state of the state is good. Good? It's is happy, it happy, 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 happy. That's it all it is. Got to do with, it. Be with cooperation, collaboration, and communication. Because we're paying attention to the environment, the, education, and, and the, the economy. economy. Basically, what you can do is you can take the inaugural speech, lift it, and drop it in the chamber, it's pretty much what the speech was last night. This is not to discount what the governor said because no. he's touting strong economic times in South Carolina, which is important <clears throat> for all. A rising tide lifts all boats. Um, he also went after uh, more judicial reform. Right. Kind of hit on that a little bit more than he did well, I think in his inaugural. Because in the inaugural, he basically threw it out there as almost, it wasn't a last minute ad. Yeah. But it was. It felt like the, hey, listen, I'm going to do an addendum to my speech here at the very end right. and say that we really need to provide a level of justice for all lives, born and unborn, Correct. which is extremely important because we don't necessarily have that. We've talked to that ad nauseum when it comes to the state Supreme Court decision. But I think it's a place that most people don't understand how the judicial process works in our selecting of judges. Yeah. And, and that is a place it. that needs a lot more sunlight and a lot more transparency. Well, the ink was still wet on uh, from Justice Beatty's pen. I, maybe Kay Hearn's pen is more accurate on that decision. It was just a matter of days after that that the governor gave the inaugural address. And so as time goes along, very good point on this, as time goes on, it's important for us to understand that we can better observe what's happening to speak into that. The worst thing we can do, and we've talked with several people on this, and a lot of people are making this outcry for judicial reform, but we don't know exactly what that looks like right now. Some are calling for right. constitutional amendment through ballot referendum. Some are calling for advising consent uh, for governor appointments. On the There's a lot of different things that people are calling for, I think, at this juncture. And I could be wrong. It is best to use patience and prudence in order to make the right decision, not just for the here and now, because we will be replacing at least one, if not two justices in the next year and a half, but also for the next 10 to 50, for our children and their children, for ourselves and our posterity. Oh, uh, yeah, it's good. I like somewhere. that. It's important for us to, at this juncture, at the nexus, uh, at, at this, this point, to understand that our prudence and our patience will pay dividends in the future. Sure. The governor 
pushed uh, the idea of gubernatorial appointment with Senate approval. Very similar Mm -hmm. to what we see in the executive branch when the president nominates someone for the Supreme Court and the Senate executes its advice and consent role. That Mm -hmm. is a different process than what goes on right now where people basically apply for the positions and Mm -hmm. the Judicial Merit Selection Committee then does its process to then decide who is and is not qualified, who will and will not be on the ballot. And that is a place that I think you don't, most folks don't understand. I don't think a lot of legislators understand well, that that's, that's the way the process works itself out. Actually having gone through and reviewed the selection process, mm-hmm. folks, let's just be honest. There are a lot of people who did not show up and be a part of the process for public input. That's accurate. Yeah. And we need to be that way. Mm-hmm. So as so often is said, you know, decisions are made by those who show up. It's probably time for us to reform the way that we act towards what's going on in our government and get ourselves more informed, more active. And that's what we're trying to do here at Palmetto Family is to make sure that you know what's going on to keep you informed so that you can share with others what needs to be done in order for us to make a real difference, as Mitch, you just said, for ourselves and those who are coming behind us. Because the decisions that are being made by our state Supreme Court are ones that will last for decades, if yes. not lifetimes. But the the temperature, the feel of the court is about 10 to 20 years delayed. Yes. Because these justices have been on these courts for the last 10 to 20 years. Their entire, almost their entire judicial career. So when you look at it from that standpoint, ask yourself this question, what was the mentality of people towards things in the early 2000s? Because that's when some of these folks went on the court. Yeah. What was that legislature like? So that's an important aspect of where we are. And at a very minimum, I think one of the things people are calling for on judicial reform at a very minimum is some more transparency, whatever that looks like, whether it's more, um, uh, public access through uh, ETV, whatever. I think at a very minimum right now, we could all understand what it would look like to have a little more, at least just sure. a little more transparency in the process. Oh, no question about that. And I, and I think f- to both of those points, it's, it's not as if this is under the cloak of night either. No. Uh, the public... Is, the, uh, They're this, not this trying what, to keep it from you. In this, some, is what we see, this is what we see in most cases, and I think you see it on both sides, and I'm willing to, willing to make this argument... And I got to be careful because I don't want to upset people. I've already upset enough people. <laughs> We've done that enough. No. Done that enough. Done that enough the last couple of days. You, you're upset because a certain thing didn't go the way you thought it should, or that you that you really feel like it should have. Right. The, the 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 Supreme Court case involving the heartbeat law, we believe, was judicial overreach, judicial activism, legislating from the bench. All that can be true, but at the end of the day, regardless of the reasons, it did not go the way we want it to. Period. Some view that push for judicial reform as a knee-jerk reaction to a decision by the court that is disagreed with. While others can say, well, no, this has kind of been an issue a while. We kind of want to change this anyway. This just kind of gives us the fodder and the gun, so to speak, to do it. To that point, I want want to broach this topic. I got to be careful because I don't want to talk out of school here. On Wednesday, inside the South Carolina Senate, they were debating a lot about judicial reform and a lot about whether to nominate, you know, vote on justice, blah, blah, blah. Did you gentlemen know 
that in South Are you Carolina. Doing a, do you know? Did you know? Say, okay. The more you know. Senator, Senator, did you know? No, uh, gosh, the number <laughs> that, of times I heard Are you yesterday. also aware of that? Are you that? also aware that? Did you know that? Uh, Just so that you're aware, if you're not a regular viewer of Senate <laughs> actions and, and watching the Senate like we do quickly. for you, <laughs> senators who are not standing at the well but want to make a comment have to ask it in the form of the question. And like on Jeopardy. Way too often. And did you know? It is. <laughs> Senator, did you know? So if you ever hear that, welcome to the inside joke of, Senator, did you know? And did you also know? Oh. And did you also know? And were you Federalist aware? Papers 32 state. <laughs> Wait, did you know that Federalist <laughs> Papers 32 there, state? you put it in the form of a question. Put it in the form of a question. Senator Chip Camps and applauds. Yay. So in the Senate yesterday, there was a lot of talk oh, yeah. about the fact that in South Carolina, the population consists of more than 50% women. Which generally makes sense because that's how. Unless we're living in Sparta, I think that's usually going to be the China. case. Or China. Ah, I see true. what you did there. More men than women in China now. Yes, true. Um, the question was raised that 51, 51.74, or 52% of all people in South Carolina or women, to which my question what, what is a woman? Describe that for me. Didn't we anyway. have that in a U.S. Supreme Court hearing? Yes, and of a do- and Katanji a, Brown Jackson, and in a documentary that I really encourage you to watch. I'm not here to promote other people's work, but what is a woman? A documentary by Matt Walsh, phenomenal. Yeah, I heard it's really good. Top phenomenal. shelf material. Top shelf material, and you can actually view it on YouTube for free. Ooh, I didn't um, know that. That's how I watched it. I don't have I don't have a subscription to them. Anyway, the point is, then they go on to say that the major that that of those who are in law school mm-hmm. in South Carolina, mm-hmm. something like 47% of those are also women. Okay. But currently on the Supreme Court, as it stands with mm-hmm. K. Hearn there as a go. justice, there's one out of five that are women. And one s- out of five, so that'd be, be 20%. Soon to be, as Mitch is commenting here, 0% will be women. To which I say, to which I say that, you know, that is unfortunate. And I'm not one to promote the patriarchy by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I voted for a, for a woman to be governor. Um, I just don't understand. Like, do we have to put people in positions just because of immutable uh, characteristics? I'm like gonna... diversity hires, diversity hires sometimes don't work out. See Vice President Kamala Harris or Press Secretary Corinne Jean Pierre. I'm going to argue the fact that if you really want to make an argument for feminism, Judge Matthews or Judge Condoris, mm-hmm. who were also on the ballot with Judge Hill on the ballot for the Supreme Court nomination, should not have withdrawn their names from consideration. Both women, the Supreme Court of the state of South Carolina, has not been voted on yet, folks. It will not be voted on until February the 8th. So it is not five men on the court right now. It is still Kay Hearn still on the court. As a matter of fact, Henry McMaster last night in probably one of the most pointed statements goes directly after Kay Hearn in his comments last night with her in the chamber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wonderful. In the, back. in the back of the chamber. I appreciate that fact that the governor did that. Yeah. But if you wanted to really make this an issue, instead of a a blustering, let me just try to create an issue and say, well, there are going to be no women on the court, then dadgummit, 
keep at least one woman on the ballot. Both women dropped off there. I would have turned around and said, all right, bring it on. If you're not going to put me on the court, then go on the record right now and mm-hmm. show me that you're going to vote against me. But that's not what they did. They basically, they it's not that they got forced. Well, they did kind of get forced out. They were told basically, you don't, you don't have, have the, the votes. votes. Yeah. So you really need to step back. No, don't say and make this an issue about the fact that there are no women on the court when the two women of the three candidates that were on the ballot for the general assembly to vote on dropped off. Yeah. It is unacceptable to make the argument that we can't have women on our court when we don't have women on the ballot any longer, folks. They made this... It is a red herring that they created for themselves to make an argument about this, to continue to drive forward, because this creates part of the narrative that says we've got to create more for women, opens the door wide on the argument about abortion, about the argument about a bill that we're getting ready to discuss in a few minutes, all of these things. I think really what you have are two competing worldviews here. And if I can take the 10,000-foot view and talk for maybe uh, 30 to 40 seconds on this, uh, what we see here, uh, that's a lie, 30 to 40 seconds. I'll do it really fast. What you see here is the the tenets of critical theory outworking and what you've listened to us say for uh, years, I can say that now, years talk about from the very inception of this podcast with people like Dr. Janosik and and Pastor Tony Foster talking about not just critical race theory, but critical theory as a whole in the tenets of inter intersectionality. So the higher your IQ, intersectional quotient, is the more validated you are by the culture. Right. However, we used to live in what was known as a meritocracy. We lived in a culture and a society where a person's merit, they rose to the top based on that merit. So the, the cream rises to the top. And that's not to say that people are better than anyone, but if you're more suited to do a job, then you do that job. It doesn't mean that you're somebody's trash or garden, nothing like that. It just means that the people that are supposed to do the job get the job. And nothing about IQ or or demographics or the, the color of a person's skin or none of that should come into play. Are you suited and qualified to do the job? Yes or no? If yes, then do the job. If no, go find another one. Full stop. End of end of discussion. Right. So we await to see what the decision of the General Assembly is. I'm, I'm again I'm not I'm not really interested in going after certain senators again. Again? No. For their comments on the floor, which I believe are woefully misguided, um, inaccurate, incorrect, and just not at all worth my time. We go to the House. Uh, We put this out yesterday, Palmetto Family. If you don't already, you should follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and go to our website, palmettofamily.org. Subscribe to our newsletter, our email newsletters. Download the app. Download the Palmetto Family Council app. We put out a push notification about this yesterday. We'll put out a push notification about this podcast as well. You want to make sure you have all that information. House Bill 3774, the Human Life Protection Act, was heard in um, the judicial... Subcommittee, the Constitutional mm-hmm. Law Subcommittee right. this morning. By the way, we're recording this podcast at 11.40 a.m. on Thursday, January 26th in the year of our Lord, 2023. Dave, you testified at that right. committee hearing. I watched the beginning part of it. Well, I listened to the beginning part of it as I was driving in. I didn't watch it. And I'm I watched, glad you didn't watch while you were driving. We, we encourage safe driving habits. I encourage safe driving habits. I have a but little safe list. That could you would be well, safe listening. Well, I have a little. I have a little. Don't talk. Don't, stop. So stop. That's how I listen to stop. It. 
I'll listen to Don't it. talk about having your phone up near where you could see it. Okay. We're it's, recorded. He's, on the side. he's incriminating oh. himself as we speak. You were listening to the yeah. hearing. Yeah. They're oh. going to use this against okay. you in a court of law. With the phone screen block. Oh. It was dead. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's okay. good. All right. Okay. Oh, I thought you were actually kind of like so, watching it, watching it, and trying no. to cover up the fact like that you the were watching, watching the movie driving down the road the no, other day, I, and he's like, ah. no, "You don't I, talk no, about that." No, I'm, no, I was coming down. Uh, I don't know what street that is. Anyway, the point is, yes, if you ain't first, you're it's all last. a big cube. Um, so did t- yes, I did testify. Yes, yeah, we did testify. <laughs> Get us back on the rails. Sorry, that was my. I think I got us off. Yeah, you did. You're welcome. You called me a criminal. You're a smooth criminal. Thank you. We. We testified there this morning, watched yes. most of it, listened to the beginning part of it. And um, what's interesting is a lot of the testimony up front, front-loaded with those who support the bill. But then mm. I knew oh yeah, I knew I'd have some old faithfuls. Oh, yeah. And I was excited to see them today. But yes. talk a little bit, Dave, for folks, if they don't go to our Facebook page and see your testimony, uh, give folks really an idea of, of what you— what information you gave the committee that consisted of representatives Newton, Jordan, and more? The biggest part of it is going back to it was over the summer that the General Assembly came in and tried to address the issue of abortion in South Carolina. The post row bill that that Senator or sorry, that Speaker Merle Smith called a special ad hoc committee together. They heard hours of testimony. They had hours of debate on the floor that it then went over to the Senate. They had hours of debate. They had hours of testimony. It finally failed last minute. So we came back. Representative McCravey has taken what was, in essence, the best of both bills, merged them into one, does a real good job of giving explanations for the things that are possible in passing in the legislature as the legislature stands right now. Is it everything that you want from a pro-life standpoint? I would like abortion to be unthinkable. Absolutely. Like racism should be unthinkable. Morally right. reprehensible. It Absolutely. Needs to be, and that is our constant drive moving forward to, to get to the point where people's lives are recognizing that the concept of taking a human life, a child, in the womb is unthinkable. Mm-hmm. But that's not where they are. But what we did talk about was... That in 1966 to 1969, there was a special committee that was headed by then Senator, soon to be Governor James West, and in, sorry, John West, and Mm -hmm. in that committee, they were doing reviews of laws that had to do with surveillance and electronic surveillance, what needed to be able to be done to protect people's privacy. From illegal searches and seizures and electronic monitoring. Big deal back in the late 60s. I don't know, kind of like the era of Watergate and all these things that are going on. Okay. In the context of that, they put out the West Committee report. That led to, to the creation in 1970 of a referendum that was voted on by two thirds of the House and two thirds of the Senate to decide to put onto the ballot an amendment to the Bill of Rights of the Constitution of South Carolina, Article 1, Section 10, that had to do with illegal searches and seizures and rights of privacy. The rights of privacy, as defined in that that committee and its reports, had nothing to do with abortion. 
It had everything to do with the government overreaching and doing illegal electronic surveillance, protecting your privacy. But we have had an activist court that has taken that concept and thrown a medical blanket over it and said, well, this privacy issue also needs to deal with medically related issues which Kay Hearn, Justice of the Supreme Court, who is being retired because she has reached retirement age, that is the place that she took that and found, wow, it echoes a lot like Roe v. Wade, Mm -hmm. the right of privacy. So the arguments that we heard about that really boiled down to the argument that Planned Parenthood made in the courts. What do we do with that? In this particular case now, in 1970, voters voted on that. It was added to the Constitution in 1971, two years prior to Roe v. Wade becoming the Supreme Court decision that changed abortion in America. So here we are. The Dobbs decision comes down last June. The radical shift of we're no longer going to make this a federal issue, and oh yeah, by the way, we really shouldn't have written legislation and called it a Supreme Court decision that Harry Blackman did as a justice on the U.S. Supreme Court. Right. It really belongs in the states. So why are we continuing to have the abortion discussion? Because the Supreme Court of the United States said, this is not a federal issue. We are not going to be legislating from the bench. It is the responsibility of the states to define what abortion laws are going to be within their own political, you know, borderlines here. Mm -hmm. What happens in South Carolina is South Carolina law. What happens in North Carolina or Georgia or Virginia or New York or California happens within those political boundaries. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and to that point, I think it's important to understand that each state in this, in this beautiful thing we call federalism has the right to make laws that represent, again, I want to make the point here that people say, well, this should move toward a ballot referendum, a constitutional measure. Um, I heard that last night from a state senator. Yeah, who has well, been pushing it quite heavily. Do we want to unpack that for just a second or save that for another podcast? I think we should save the unpacking of it for yeah. another podcast. Right. The point I'm driving at is... Because it's got some depth to it. Right. Very and, deep. <clears throat> very the deep. people also elect their representatives and elect their senators. Very true. So We do live in a representative republic correct. or a constitutional republic. So your views... Not a democracy. You're relying on... You're careful. You're relying on... But you're right. Your views are espoused by your representative, and if they mm-hmm. do something that you disagree with, you have the right to disagree with them and let them know. Call them, email them, show Vote up, them out. The, show up in the state house, or show up at the ballot box. The the some of the testimony today is really interesting. If if you have a chance, it's only about thirty minutes long. It's going to be a slightly longer video than this podcast. Go watch it. Listen to the testimony, uh, because what I found in what I'll call the dissenting testimony is an attempt to delegitimize yes. the process. Um, we heard from the representative of the ACLU of South Carolina, <laughs> whose testimony was like 15 seconds. Uh, well, and, and on purpose. On he, purpose. He the did, court, he, they, the, he, sorry. He, he, did, did he the, didn't give me his pronouns. I'm sorry. So I'm assuming a he. I'm sorry if I misgendered you. So he basically said. He did look like a he. He basically, that doesn't matter, Dave. 
It it's about how they feel. Knuckle dragon troglodyte. How dare you? You racist, I think, maybe. Mm. maybe. Did, I don't know. did you just how dare me? I think so. Dang it. Uh, but he basically you? said that the Supreme Court's already ruled on this. Why are we here? And walked away. Others complained that they were told they would only be able to submit written testimony, and then they showed up today, and they're allowed to speak. How, how you know what? You know what? You know what? How, how dare? How dare? Well, how dare? No. How dare this subcommittee, when I walk into a committee meeting room, allow me to testify? want to make that point. You don't have to have prepared remarks. No one cares if you're reading Justin, or not. Justin, some of us well, aren't as good what? at extemporaneous speaking as you are. Because you make up Dave? most of this. On the could we could we ex- do good. the extemporaneous discussion for a few sure. minutes? I would gladly extemporaneously talk because... Wait. wait. <laughs> Can I pull an Amy Coney Barrett real quick? I have nothing on my paper. Oh, I, I, my phone uh, the did, literally is, did turn the, on. The, 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 yeah, the you, point is, yes. If you don't know your daggum talking points and know exactly where you're coming from, then don't get up there. Don't. I, it just it's drives me away. It just drives me nuts. <laughs> let, him out, let it out. Let it out. It's okay. It's okay. I do not need you to get up there and read to me. If you need it's written prepared comments, floor. I mean, there. I know there are some people who need to do that. I understand that. Some people are nervous. They aren't public I speakers. get that. But at the same time, submit the written testimony and talk to your points. Also, the ones who, who show up at every single committee hearing know what they're going to say. Mm-hmm. You Just know make, what you're going to say because guess what? you know who you are. You've been having these discussions with legislators on and on and on. I, I don't know, for the last six months? Could you not have figured out and had your talking points down? Our people know. That's why we're not going to call any names. Our people, because I think that that's just wrong. That's almost like gossip to me today. Yeah. But the thing about it is this. If you don't if you've never been to a hearing, if you've never testified at a hearing, take the time to do it. And by all means, if you want to run for public office and you've never been to the state house, you've never sat in the chamber for a Probably day, come. you've never gone to a committee hearing, you've never testified and you haven't talked to your spouse about it yet, then don't run, please. Yeah. Yeah, you should probably check some of those boxes before It's kind of like the job interview. Running for US senator or anything like that. Um I think we. I, I, I don't think we go from there. Put a bow on that so, one. So, so I'll just say this: that we will continue to track H thirty seven seventy four, the Human Life Protection Act. We also track a lot of different bills too. Oh, we track we, a lot we support, of. We track a lot well, of different legislation because we are a multifaceted organization. We also rely upon other people. You, prime example. There may be issues that are important to you. And bills that you've been following that may not be on our radar screen because I don't, I know you sit and read every single bill all the way through to know what every bill says. We're kind of like summary kind really? of Really? Is that what you do? I hope not. I, yeah, I mean, this the House 3774 is 14 pages, 13 pages, 11 pages. If you want to, did you, but, but read it. here's the deal, folks. I haven't marked it up yet, but I read there it. There are thousands of pieces of legislation that are submitted. Thousands. Every legislative session, every two-year session, there are thousands of bills. The thing about it is this. A bill doesn't move, go anywhere, unless it's just brought bill. to a committee and the committee chair decides it's going to be heard. I feel like we should do a civics lesson on how a bill becomes law sometime. I think, I think that'd be good because I hear the, the common refrain we hear is that why don't they get more done? 
And I think the, it's the government's, government's supposed to move slowly. If yes. government moves fast, then when the people are in control that you don't agree with, they'll move just as fast, right. if not faster. Government is designed to move slowly. A lot of people think that just because a bill is filed, then it's automatically going to become a law. That's or not that, even close. Or that it's even going to get a hearing. Or that it's a good thing. Or that it's even going to get debated on the floor. Right. And so None of those things. So of the thousands of bills that are out there, yeah. you are not guaranteed that any of them are going to necessarily right. have a hearing or make it to the floor and be part of a debate. Or even, yeah. that's just in one chamber. That's why you should just draft resolutions. Before you get to the other one. Sometime <laughs> we'll take you through the... Uh, School of how to, or the I feel Mitch, like doing a board moment. The Mitch We're School of how to evaluate a bill. Um, so if you'd like that, you can email me, and I'd love good. to chat with you about how we evaluate bills. So we're tracking a lot of different legislation. Yeah, and we want you to stay up to date with us. The way you do that, you go to palmettofamily.org. You sign up for our email newsletter. We will constantly be sending out information and alerts. So you want to download the Palmetto Family Council app as well. We'll be alerting you on the progress of different legislation. You can also use our app as a... Uh, as a go-between, so to speak, we will funnel you to the state house website where you can track different legislation that you feel is best. You can also follow, as I do, different committees. So you're alerted when a committee meeting is coming up or uh, when it's gone live. It's important to do. Or if you don't have a, cha- a, t- a chance to be able to do all of that, that's why you're a part of our Palmetto family family here mm-hmm. because we try our best to be a conservative information source for you to filter through all the different things that are out there, to understand what bills can and cannot make it through, what is and is not going to be going on in committees, so that when the important things actually do come up, you know about it. Yeah, That's why you're a part of what it is that we do, and we ask you to share that with other people so that more people across South Carolina can be informed on what is actually going on when it comes to our state legislature. Speaking of things going on, uh-huh. we got something big coming up on March 18th. Guys, tell them about it. Dave, I'm going to leave that to you. Oh, are you now? Oh, yeah, man. You're, you've you're heard fired of it up. before, but we're just going to keep telling you. The Vision 24 National Conservative Forum is coming to North Charleston, South Carolina. It's going to be at the North Charleston Convention Center. We're going to be hearing from a lot of folks who are going to be the voices that you are going to be hearing for the 2024 presidential election cycle. We have been talking with several different campaigns or maybe want to possibly at some point be campaigns. With all due respect, there are going to be a lot of big names there. This is true. You can read in between the lines of what I just said. There are a lot of lines that were right there. I mean. But you want to be a part of that. And to be able to do that, you're going to need to go ahead and sign up now so that you can stay informed so that when tickets go on sale, you can get your tickets so that you can hear from these conservative leaders who want to talk to South Carolinians about the things that are going to be important for 2024, the Vision 24 Forum. It'll be Saturday, March 18th, from 1 to about 5.30. There will be an opportunity for you to hear from major national names on the major issues that matter. That is part of a broader, it's the prelude to a bigger event that we're doing, the Social Conservative Conference that we're doing in partnership with the Alliance, uh, sorry, with a Family Policy Alliance. Focus on the Family. Focus on the Family and Heritage Foundation. That's going to be taking place March 20th through the 22nd, the same location there in the North Charleston Convention Center. These are things that if you really want to know 
where the conservative movement is going and the things that really matter. You want to be a part of both events, the event, the Vision 24 National Conservative Forum that we're going to be hosting with our friends at Family Policy Alliance on the 18th. That's the we're not going to call it a presidential forum. We can't. No, we can't. Because some of but them have announced. Some of them will not have announced yet. But Mama wanted a preacher. But boy, it's kind of so. like that. Think about it like that. And then the big social conservative conference that's going to be happening later that week. It's going to be huge. It's going to be great. Believe us. Really? Are you going to leave that clue? I'm, I'm just. Well, I've, I've left clues a lot. That's I mean, you're like an Easter egg. Millie Jean's not my girl, so that's not a that's not a clue I think I'm aware of. Reference several. I mean, I think I, I just think it's important today. to know. I think it's important to know that can't is not an option, and that if you want something done, that's all the time dot, we have dot, dot. for our show today. We wow, that was jam packed. Joining us, <sighs> thank you so much again. Make sure to be on the lookout Saturday. Our conversation with the Attorney General Alan Wilson will be dropping on Saturday. We're going to be talking about the opioid crisis and what the Attorney General's office is doing to battle both uh, the opioid fentanyl issue uh, in South Carolina as well as the ever-increasing child sexual material stings that are happening across the state as well. If you want to find out more about what's going on, we have an entire docuseries that we did on that called The Hidden Crisis. It's a five-part series that is really good, and it breaks down the issues that have gone on but most importantly, what the church can start doing about it. Mm-hmm. This is the place where the hands and feet of Jesus are you. That is you. What can be done in your local community? Hearing groups like Celebrate Recovery and what yep. they're doing to bring a Christian worldview yep. to the issues of recovery or what's being done to address the fentanyl issue that's happening as it spreads like wild, like kudzu, honestly. Yeah, there you go. It's like kudzu. And if you understand kudzu, you got to stop the spread. And that is exactly what we're going to be having that conversation. As Palmetto family has that conversation with Attorney General Alan Wilson, check out the Saturday special because that's going to be really important. Thanks for watching the podcast. Thanks for all you do to help us make South Carolina a great place to live, work, and raise a family. We're really grateful for you. For Dave Wilson, Mitch Prosser, Kevin Cayello, who is not on screen. He's not here. Uh, I'm Justin Hall. He, he, no. He's like, no, be far away from you crazy guys. He needs to be on an episode. He does. That would be great. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you guys on Saturday with Alan Wilson, the Attorney General.